Welcome to the Monterey Podcast. For more information, check out our website at montereychurch.com. Take a deep breath and let's soak in again the presence of God in this place and the ways that God is still at work, uh, the ways that God works in ways far beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. Uh, We give him all the praise and the glory and the honor this morning. Let me invite you to hear words from the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and then Romans chapter 12. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is challenging believers in the church in Corinth to be a people of generosity and a people of sacrifice, and he reminds them of the example of the churches up in the Macedonia region. Uh, Hear these words. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God, also to us. And so we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we have kindled in you, See that you also excel in this grace of giving. And then these familiar words from Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Aaron alluded to it during the announcements or the welcome this morning, but let me take just a moment or two and kind of summarize where we have traveled the last several months at Monterey in our studies together. Last fall, uh, we engaged in a five-week series on the Holy Spirit in which we affirmed, first of all, our belief, our faith in the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is a full-fledged member of the divine family. And for many of us, that may not have been an affirmation we made a great deal when we were growing up, but we talked about in that series the beauty and the mystery of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And our conviction that the Holy Spirit lives in us, not just individually, though he does, but that the Holy Spirit lives in us as the body of Christ, empowering us, leading us, guiding us, equipping us for the mission of God. And so even some of the words that we have shared together in song this morning, that we pray and continue to pray for God to move, for God to be at work, 
and we continue to believe that miracles happen as God does His work in this world. Bottom line, Scripture reminds us that God longs for relationship with us, and God longs to work through us as He does His mission in this world, and as He works through us by the power of the Spirit. I'm reminded of Paul's words in Ephesians chapter 3, where he tells us that it is in us, the church, by the power of the Spirit, that we proclaim the mystery and the wisdom and the power of God, not just to this world, but even to the unseen powers in the unseen world, that God works through us. In that series, we affirm that the Holy Spirit is a deposit, guaranteeing our future inheritance. As a result, we live with boldness and confidence. We don't live with fear because of the presence of the Spirit. We are to be filled with the Spirit. We are led by the Spirit. We say yes to the invitation of the Spirit, to the invitation of the divine family. We say yes to the invitation to dance with the Spirit of God, knowing that it is the Spirit who leads, not us. had a great little conversation with Gary Bradley this morning. He walked in, and some of you know that Gary has struggled with a variety of health issues. And I said, how are you? And he said, I'm feeling great. I feel like I could dance, even though I don't know how. He was talking about literal dancing, but Transition that for a moment to our dancing with the Spirit of God. Many times our response may be, well, I'm not real sure how. But the invitation is that sweet invitation, stepping into the mystery of walking with the Spirit of God and allowing the Spirit to guide us and lead us. You see, bottom line, because of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives, we are transformed more and more into the image of Christ with every passing day. As Paul put it in that great text in 2 Corinthians 3, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we celebrate that freedom, and and we all, he says, who with unveiled faces contemplate or reflect the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. In other words, church, as you and I engage in life under the umbrella of being led by the Spirit of God, we become more glorious with each passing day because we look more and more like Jesus. Today is the fourth lesson in a second series on the Spirit that we're calling the Spirit-led church. Thus far, we have affirmed the Spirit-led church engages in exuberant worship. In other words, if I can be this frank, we let our hair down. Because of the presence of God in our midst, we engage in exuberant praise and worship to God. But that happens not just in this assembly, that happens in life. We talked about the fact that because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, we look at a church that also shows empathy. We walk alongside each other. And last Sunday, Aaron guided the conversation in talking about the Spirit-led church that engages our world. As this series continues to unfold, we're going to affirm the Spirit-led church embraces the gifts of all believers. The Spirit-led church is empowered for the mission of God. The Spirit-led church engages in spiritual warfare, knowing that we operate, again, with the presence of the Spirit in our lives. And as I even wrote those words, I reflected on the fact that when this series is over, it's not really like we're going to stop it, because as we step into an Easter series, we're going to talk about death to life. And I thought about, again, some of the words that we shared in song this morning, the healing that takes place when we really grab hold of the power of the resurrection and the power of the Spirit who lives in our lives, whatever form of healing that may take. 
And what powerful testimonies exist in this church as to how God has been at, been at work, how God has been present. Today, the Spirit-led church gives sacrificially. And I would beg of you, as you hear a phrase like that, that you not turn me off because I've used the word give. Because as we talk about giving today, we're talking about far more than what we might give financially. In fact, let me invite you to reflect again on some of the phrases I read from those two texts, 2 Corinthians and then Romans 12. Speaking of the churches in Macedonia, as Paul challenges the church in Corinth, he says, I want you to know that in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. They gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. And they exceeded our expectations, Paul says. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord. In other words, the Spirit-led church gives sacrificially. In the Romans 12 text, Paul says, in view of God's mercy. And I want us to grab hold of that. What, what, what a difference it would make if we looked at everything in life in view of, with the backdrop of God's mercy and God's grace. What a difference it would make in how we look at everything. Paul says, in view of God's mercy, let me challenge you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Now, the paradox of that statement, we read that statement as 21st century Americans, and we may not think a whole lot about it. If you were a Jew in the first century and you hear Paul talking about a living sacrifice, you would probably think that's pretty paradoxical. Because for the Jew, a sacrifice involved an animal being killed as it was placed upon the altar. And here Paul is saying, no, I want you to offer your bodies in the fullness of who you are as a living sacrifice. Now, again, the paradox, to use Paul's language in another epistle, is that we've been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer me, it's no longer you, it's no longer us that lives, but rather it is Christ that is living in us and through us. You die to yourself. You no longer live for yourself. You belong to someone else. And so we offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Describe it however you would like. When you become a follower of Jesus, when the Holy Spirit moves in, everything changes. The way you look at people, again, Aaron's sermon from last Sunday, the values and the perspectives that you now bring to life, what was most important in your life prior to you being a follower of Jesus, whatever that was, climbing the corporate ladder, more money, more possessions, whatever that was, if the Spirit of God truly lives in us, then everything changes. There is something, there is someone else who takes first place. You love and you serve people you didn't even notice at one point in your life. You hurt over the things that God hurts over. You invest your time and energy in things that are at the heart of the kingdom of God. You give, you serve sacrificially. Financially, you recognize that you have been blessed so abundantly in order that you might bless others. And so you give generously and you give sacrificially. You see, the Spirit-led church gives sacrificially. And so I want to invite you in the back of your mind to reflect on those phrases in those two texts. And as I talk for the next several minutes, I want you to think about people you have known or perhaps people you know now who have been, in, who have been incredibly generous 
and incredibly sacrificial with their lives. It may be with their money, but it may be with their time, with their resources, with their energy, with their servant heart. I want you to think about people you know or that you have known. And I want to share with you a couple of things about a friend of mine from college days, Billy Kirk. Billy and I were roommates our first two years in college. Didn't take long for the two of us to become the closest of friends. Didn't take long for me to discover Billy's heart and his passion for life, his heart for God, his undying commitment to his friends, and I counted myself blessed to be a friend of his. Ultimately, his love for a young lady that he would marry. She was a senior in high school when he was a freshman in college. They met, they fell in love, they would marry later. Just as my wife's name is Debbie, her name was Debbie as well. His love for art. Billy was an art major, and many times I'd wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and he'd be painting. He was a good artist, landscapes, Western art. In fact, later in his life, some of his paintings hung in galleries in Santa Fe and Taos, New Mexico. His love for Scripture. He was an art major, but he took at least two years of Greek because he wanted to dig more deeply into Scripture. And there would be times when we'd be talking about Scripture and he would say, well, Barry, you're the Bible major, but you don't get it. He dug deeply into Scripture. Billy was one of the kindest people that you would ever meet, unless you were competing with him on the basketball court. And then he had no hesitation to run right over you. Two particular stories from Billy's life. He and Debbie loved children. Uh, she would become a, a, an elementary school teacher and later a principal. They so desperately wanted children but were unable to have children of their own. They went down the adoption path on several occasions, two occasions that I'm very aware of where children that they thought they were going to be able to adopt actually spent some time in their home, and then the birth mother would change her mind. And we watched their heartache and their grief because of the devotion they had already built in their lives and the love they had already built in their lives for that child. Back in those days, 25 years ago, fostering wasn't as popular as it is today. And so rather than continuing to go down that adoption path, Billy and Debbie decided they would invest their lives in young people. And so she, as an elementary school teacher, he for a period of time as a teacher as well. But even beyond that, working with young people, mentoring young people. The church they were a part of in northern Mississippi after they moved from Memphis when I read Paul's statement, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, I think about Billy Kirk's devotion to young people. He invested everything he had in their lives, playing with them, studying with them, mentoring them. In fact, he died doing what he loved. He was at a high school retreat playing basketball with a bunch of guys and collapsed and died of a heart attack. But he died, love, died doing what he loved to do. He was one of those guys that I look at and without hesitation would say, he's a spirit-led believer and he gives sacrificially. Second story. 
while I was doing my doctoral work in Memphis. Debbie and I lived in Memphis for two and a half years while I was doing master's work. And Billy and Debbie, interestingly enough, were in Memphis at the same time. We lived in the same apartment complex. After we moved away, they were in Memphis again for a few years before moving to, moving to Mississippi. And as I would return to Memphis to take classes in my doctoral program, most of those classes a week-long uh, class, I would stay with Billy and Debbie. I will never forget the conversations that we often had late into the night. And I will especially never forget one conversation from one particular evening when Billy said, Barry, can I ask you something that's pretty personal? And I said, sure, Billy, we've known each other since we were freshmen in college. We've talked about practically everything imaginable. And he said, good, I want to talk about giving. He said, Debbie and I want to be good stewards of the resources that God has given us, and we want to make sure that the way we give honors God. Now, interestingly enough, Billy and I talked about giving on other occasions. In fact, for both of us couples, uh, not together, but as we would talk, I recognized both them and Debbie and I had made the commitment early in our marriage that we were going to give at least 10% to the Lord and to uh, the work of the church from, from the get-go as a part of our marriage. And as Billy and I talked about that commitment, he would often say, what would it look like if every believer chose to give at least 10% to the Lord? We'd never have trouble meeting a church budget. We'd be looking for other opportunities to engage in kingdom work. What would it look like? But on that particular evening, Billy dug a bit deeper. He said, Barry, we're at a different place in life than the two of you are. We don't have children. You have three. We don't have some of the same financial responsibilities that you have. We have freedom to give in areas where you don't have the same freedom. But I really would like to get your perspective as a friend. And then he stopped me in my tracks. He said, we're giving about 40% of our income. Do you think that's enough? I've got to tell you, in 40 years of ministry, I've never had anyone else ask me a question like that. Now, I've had conversations with folks through the years who would tell me there's no way that I could ever give as much as 10% because of a house payment or a car payment or because I'm so badly in debt, but I've never had anybody say, do you think 40% is enough? And I knew Billy's heart well enough to know that he wasn't looking for some kind of line that he could draw to say, okay, got it done. It was a heart and a passion for God that led him to say, God has been so gracious to us, and we want to give sacrificially. A spirit-led believer invests, serves, gives sacrificially. And a spirit-led church does the same. In fact, every time I read about those churches in Macedonia, I think about churches in Jamaica. In 1988, Hurricane Gilbert struck the island of Jamaica. There were 45 deaths, hundreds who were left homeless, over $800 million in damage. That's 40 years ago. I don't know what that would translate to in the value of the dollar today. $800 million of debt. Tourist and mining industries that were severely disrupted. I was preaching in Kentucky at the time. We were involved in mission work on the island. I knew brothers and sisters who lost their homes because of that hurricane. I knew churches across the island of Jamaica that were completely destroyed. The church buildings were completely destroyed because of the hurricane. 
Just a few months after that hurricane, I was in Jamaica, and you could still see the damage all over the place. Gratefully, churches throughout the United States who were involved in mission work on that island provided financial resources as churches and brothers and sisters began to rebuild. About a year later, another hurricane struck southern Florida. A couple of churches in the Miami area who were involved in mission work in Jamaica either lost their entire building or part of their church building. And some of the first financial gifts that came to those churches in Miami came from churches in Jamaica. Big picture of the amount they gave wasn't all that much. But just like those churches in Macedonia, those believers in Jamaica, in the midst of their trials, in the midst of their poverty, and yet with overflowing joy and rich generosity, they gave. I could tell you story after story in Scripture where folks gave and served sacrificially. I can tell you story after story after 40 years of ministry of folks who have given of their lives in such sacrificial ways, sometimes going in very difficult places, sometimes stepping out of their comfort zone big time, but who have served sacrificially. I can tell you story after story of folks who have given so abundantly and generously and sacrificially from their financial resources. I could tell you story after story. But bottom line, I want you to hear my conviction this morning. When we are led by the Spirit of God, we look at everything differently. Our lives, people, our money, our possessions, any gift that God has given us, we look at everything with a different set of lens because, you see, the Spirit of God changes us. And so how about you? How about us? Are we giving sacrificially? Are we investing our lives sacrificially in kingdom work? And to encourage us in that direction, let me invite you into additional conversation this morning with a couple of our folks. And so if you would turn your attention to the screens. My name is Samantha Woody and I am a senior at Friendship High School. My name is Butch Davis, one of the shepherds here at the Monterey Church of Christ. Jody, my wife, and I came here in 1982 and we've worshiped here at Monterey ever since. I've been going to Monterey my whole life. I have a little brother and he has been in the youth group as well. I've raised my four children here. All have been a part of Monterey at one time or another. So Monterey holds a special place in my heart. I've been going on a lot of youth trips since I've been in the youth group since sixth grade, including like LA and ski trip and like mystery trip and that kind of fun stuff. I'm planning on going to LCU for college and potentially to be a psychiatrist. And I told the early assembly this morning that my goal today was to have someone who was older and someone who was younger with me on the stage. And so you decide who is older and who is younger. <laughs> I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear a phrase like the Spirit-led church uh, with all of those different phrases that we're using during this series. Uh, but today, again, the Spirit-led church gives sacrificially. And so, Butch and Samantha, what comes to mind when you hear a phrase like that? Butch, we'll start with you. A spirit-led church gives sacrificially. I'm reminded of the Macedonian church that gave out of their severe trial, 
Now, whether this was persecution, whether it was a crop failure, whether it was just extreme poverty, Paul points out that because of their joy and their poverty, generosity arose, and they gave sacrificially for their needs. And also reminded the Acts 4 congregation that gave to the needs of anyone so that no one would want. But I think more about the, the widow's offering that Jesus talks about while he was in the temple watching people put their money into the treasury. And there was a couple of guys that gave money, and I guess they were supposed to be impressed because they gave probably generously, we think. But Jesus told us later it wasn't sacrificially because as he talked about the widow's two small value coins that she gave, she gave all that she had and she was going to do without. It was both generous and sacrificial. So when I think about sacrificial giving, it's giving away something that you probably wish you had later on. Samantha, what about you? So based on my 17 years of wisdom... Which is why I invited you to join me today. So, yeah. Um, I would say that giving sacrificially is about, like, not solely finances, but, like, also giving up your time and your energy. And so, like, you could be doing something else, but instead you're doing the Lord's work in a different way. And, and I really hope that we are capturing that today. That when we talk about giving sacrificially, yeah, at times that may involve our money, our financial resources, but it's far beyond that. And so we look at folks in this church, we look at folks we know who invest so generously and sacrificially of their time, their resources, their energy. Uh, Butch, uh, you and Jody have been a part of Monterey for many, many years. And so I suspect, uh, uh, and now in your role as a shepherd, uh, I suspect you're aware of uh, a variety of examples through the years where folks have given in the ways that we're talking about this morning. What comes to mind when you think about some of that history? Well, one of the, the instances that happened is, is not directly related to Monterey, but I know this lady who has a ministry that ministers to ladies that are getting out of prison, helping them to uh, acclimatize, to being free once again. And we were working with her, and she needed a van because the car she had wouldn't carry all the people that she ministered to. So she needed a bigger vehicle. So several of us got together, purchased a new van for her, and gave it to her. She was so appreciative of that, though. But what struck me was we were generous to give her a van, but in turn, she gave her car away to someone that didn't have a car. Because she gave sacrificially. She could have used that money if she sold a car, but she realized that lady needs a car, and I have two. I'm going to give one to her. Mm, that's great. That's great. Samantha, as you said in the video, you've been involved in a variety of things in the youth group, and so my guess is you've seen sacrificial service and giving there. What, what does that look like for, for you? So for me, I have gone on our youth mission trip for the past four or five years. And so if y'all don't know what that is, we go to LA every year. And of course we spend money to go there. But one of the things that Eric and Aaron teach us and they kind of like push us to do is to have intentional conversation. And so one of the days we'll go to Venice Beach and we'll sit on Hippie Hill, which is a lot of fun if you can't tell. And we'll sit and we'll have a picnic with individuals who we might normally not talk to 
And so we're encouraged to like, just sit down, share our stories, listen to theirs, learn their name. Because a lot of people just don't get to hear their name a lot if you're homeless. And so you try and build a connection with those people. And so like through that trip, I think I've learned a lot about how me giving sacrificially is sitting down, being intentional, and having connections with individuals. And as Samantha said, if you're, if you're not aware, uh, our youth group, not just the L.A. mission trip, but in a variety of ways throughout the year, uh, but the L.A. mission trip in particular. And you'll be hearing about that in coming months as they sell stock, uh, helping raise funds for that trip. And then once they get home on a Wednesday night, they share story after story. And it's an incredible blessing. And, and, and purely from the vantage point of where I said, I am so grateful for our children's ministry and our youth ministry who help instill in the lives of our children and our young people the importance of serving, that, that sacrificial spirit. Uh, obviously, as Samantha said, sometimes money because when Samantha goes to L.A. for a week, it means she has to step away from her $5,000 a week summer job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the fact that we've got young people who say, I'm willing to sacrifice a week of the summer rather than a job or whatever it may hold. Sacrificial service and giving. And so let me put all of you on the spot and then especially put Butch and Samantha on the spot. What does the idea of giving sacrificially mean for you personally? Because if we walk away from these studies and we forget about what we've talked about and we forget to reflect on Scripture and there's no change in our lives, then it's all for all. And so what does that mean for you personally? And I'll turn it to the two of you. What it means for me personally, I think that Jesus set a pretty high bar. I mean, to give away things sacrificially. But I'm reminded of John the Baptist when he was preaching to the people about the coming Messiah and getting them prepared by talking about repentance and baptism. And he paraphrased, he would preach to the people and say, well, first of all, they'd ask, what do we do then? Well, he'd say, repent, but also, who in here has food? Who has something to eat? Well, a couple of people might have raised their hand and he says, you, you have food, give it to her because she doesn't have any. And then he would ask, who has two shirts? Some guy raised his hand, I've got two. You've got two shirts, give one to him because he's shirtless. So that's what sacrificial giving is, is giving up something that you love, that you're going to need later, but someone else needs it worse now. Yeah. And that's what I aspire to. Good. And so I, I, I won't, and I didn't say this in the early assembly, I won't pick on the women in the audience in terms of how many shoes you've got in your closet. But, <laughs> but for us guys, how, how many shirts, how many shirts do I have in the closet? And I can only wear one at a time. Samantha, what about you? What does that mean for you personally? So for me, since I am as young as I am, I don't work a lot, and so financially, I don't have a lot of resources, so I feel like the way I equip myself the best to serve and to give to the best of my ability is through my, like I said, my time and energy. And so for me, it would be like at school or at work, but then like for most people, it is work. And so like reaching out to that coworker or like that classmate being like, hey, like how are you? Do you need help today? What's your name? Just like reaching out and being a friend and someone that they can talk to. So just doing what Jesus did with everybody. Good. And again, it's that, that intentionality 
that I hope you're picking up on. Aaron began that conversation last Sunday in, talk about, in, in talking about stretching beyond the circles that we sometimes draw. And I pray that we capture that same spirit as we think about what it means to give. Uh, let's thank Butch and Samantha for joining us this morning. Thank y'all. And if you would join me and let's, uh, let's pray together that God would bring that kind of spirit to all of us. God, I think about all of the ways that you have blessed us. Uh, You've blessed us abundantly, the gift of Jesus, the gift of your spirit, the gift of time, the gift of so many spiritual gifts represented in this room, the gift of money and possessions and jobs. Uh, God, just as you have so generously and sacrificially given to us, may we do the same. And God, to you be the honor and the glory, and the praise. In the name of Jesus, amen. A stand as we sing together. If we can bless or serve you in any way, a couple of our shepherds will be here at the front.